We don't usually worry about our cats passing diseases to us. We know that there are some, and certainly I've learned about these back in medical school, but now we are hearing of some unusual cases, including the bubonic plague and a fatal feline-to-human case of Alaska pox. Should we be worried? Let's talk about it. Hey everybody, it's Dr. David. Hope you're doing well. We're going to go a little bit off of our beaten path today um, to talk about our um, pet-borne illnesses. So as a board-certified pediatrician, first of all, I had to learn about all of this stuff in medical school. I had to learn it again for the pediatric boards, regurgitate it again for the following boards after that. Um, but nonetheless, these are important things, even though they're not common, and rarely have I seen any of these. But it's good to know about, and now that there are some cases out there, of these of some more dangerous situations we're going to talk a little bit more about that um i'm also going to talk about the ways that infections are passed along from cats to humans as well and then i'll sum it up with kind of my take on it and how worried should we be now let's first talk about the ways that infections are passed from cats to humans in the first place and one of the more common ways is through excrement through feces through um through the urine. Um, salmonella, as an example. Um, although we certainly have heard about it in certain types of produce and things like that that have been in the news, but one can pass, um, can get salmonella from a cat. Now, it's more often going to happen if a cat is eating raw meat, but it is something that can certainly be passed along. And it can cause, as you probably know, it can cause very, very severe and sometimes bloody diarrhea. And although it's a bacteria, though, usually you don't need to treat it with antibiotics unless it's an immunosuppressed person. It will go away on its own. Okay. Certain types of worms, um, roundworms, hookworms, um, when cats and dogs, for that matter, go to get checked for, for, for worms, these are the types of things that they're looking for, not just because it can interfere with their, um, with their intestines, but it can be passed along to humans as well. Okay, and so those are worms, which are obviously things that people can kind of see more, at least under the microscope, but even longer than that. And then there are protozoa. Protozoa are one-celled, and so much smaller, too small for the naked eye to see. Um, toxoplasma is probably the one that's most talked about. Um, Giardia and cryptosporidium, which are often, which somewhat common pediatric illnesses as well. Um, toxoplasma is one of the ones, along with people talk about CMV as well, but toxoplasma, we specifically have talked about um, not having pregnant women um, change litter boxes because usually immunocompromised people are more likely to catch those, but pregnant women can um, catch it and then they can even cause cysts and that can interfere with the fetus as well and cause problems. Okay, another way that cats can pass along infections are through bites and scratches. So most of the time, these will cause bacterial types of infections. Now, and that's especially two of its deeper wounds. So a surface scratch or a, um, a bite of it's just like a scratch is not as much. But if it, there's a puncture, that's usually where there's going to be a problem. And again, um, often bacteria. There's one in particular that's passed along from cats. And this is like on all the pediatric boards. You, like, just as a pediatrician, you learn these things. One that's called pastorella. Um, and the thing is this, if there is a cat bite, 50% of children will end up with an infection, not necessarily pastoral, but some bacterial infection. And usually they need antibiotics. They actually need to go on antibiotics for this type of thing. This is an infection that can really start to fester, can really take over, cause a cellulitis, and which is an infection of the of cells, cellulitis, inflammation at least. Um, and again, antibiotics may be needed. And if it's a puncture wound, probably topical antibiotics won't work. Probably you do need to take oral antibiotics to get 
deep down to where the infection is. Okay. Now, of course, a lot of people know about contact with um, skin or fur of cats, and in particular, things like fleas, but also scabies. You know, and scabies, which is something that um, that you know, you always think about as a pediatrician if there's a weird rash on a on a child, um, especially because it's weird that you usually see like a, an entry point, but then there's kind of like this little serpentine kind of like scrolling through the screen it's like almost like, like leaving a tattoo in its wake it's not um but as it burrows through the skin and that's one of the things that um, makes scabies the rashes actually more common more able to be identified by pediatricians because it's kind of a specific thing and now of course also and before i'm sorry before i was talking about bites and saliva i meant i meant i didn't say meant to say uh scratches i meant to say bites and saliva was where those other ones but now scratches so, of course, um, when we talk about cat scratch fever, we're not talking about the Ted Nugent song. Um, lovely song, and it is. Um, been a song. I actually went back and listened to it uh, for the first time in for ages last night. Um, but th there is cat scratch fever, cat scratch disease, which is caused by a bacteria called Bartonella hensley. And this is interesting because at first it causes a little swelling, um, sometimes a blister will form at the site where it happens. But then what happens, and depending on where the scratch is, so if it was like in the face or shoulder, it may come to here. If it was on the arm, it's more likely to come either behind here or up in the arms. If it's on the legs, more likely to go into the folds of the of the, uh, of the the groin. But a, not just a lymph node forms, but a painful, painful lymph node. One of the more painful types of lymph nodes is what you'll see from um, cat scratch disease. Um, but it also um, can cause... Um, um, like a flu-like illness along with it. So a lot of these types of infections where it's like fluish, achy, fever, muscles, yucky, that, that type of flu type of fever as well. Okay, so now that we've reviewed some of the more common ones that pediatricians actually come in contact, let's talk about these other infections that have been in the news recently. Okay, so um, first of all, the plague, aka buponic plague, aka black death, um, I just watched the video from, if you remember, from Monty Python's the Bring Out Bring Out Your Dead video. Um, that's what when all the people are dying and they're being thrown onto the cart. They they had the plague. That was the buponic plague. Um, and you would think, isn't that somewhat medieval? But there are some cases of this. And in all honesty, I hadn't thought about the plague. Why would I? Since I took my study from my boards last time 10 years ago. But in um, in between 1347 and 1352, 25 million people, mostly in Europe, died from the plague. Okay, there was another big um, outbreak um, in the 1500s, and depending on who who, who the, who's estimating, between 75 and 200 million people died from the plague in the 1500s. Okay, and in the, in America, just as a point of reference, um, there's been about 500 cases identified in the last 50 years. So nationwide, about 10 per year. So you would think, oh, gee, shouldn't I hear about that? You would think we would, but it doesn't really come up. But it, the reason why that it's coming up now is that in early 2024, um, in Oregon, where they had, where it was the first case um, in Oregon since 20, um, since 2020 at all, but this was passed along by the person's cat. Okay, the cat was also sick as well. Now, this is typically passed along by respiratory droplets. Okay, um, so if there's a cough or something else like that, that's usually um, how it's being put out into the air. It's passed along from a bacteria called Yersinia 
pestis. Okay, and it was usually common, more commonly um, passed along from infected rats and rodents, but other animals can as well. So, of course, back you know in um, underprivileged countries where there are more rats, and certainly back in the days of um, of, of the times um, when the when the plague was big, there were certainly a lot of rat problems going around there. But yeah, this person actually did catch it from um, the cat. From I say cat. You know, who would think about that, right? Now, the symptoms of the plague um, is that, there, again, there can be a painful swollen lymph node, okay? And again, typically in the in the area, um, but you could be in the groin or in the um, um, in the armpit area, as we kind of went for the other, and they're called bubos. So the bubonic plague bubos is the name of the specific lesion that you'll see that's kind of distinct from, from this, okay? But it also causes those flu-like um, symptoms like we were talking about before, but it also can go on to cause blood sepsis or pneumonia, and they're fatal, okay? So again, hopefully you will not be seeing the bubonic plague anytime soon, but there's that too. So now the other one that is in the news is this called Alaska pox. Now I have to tell you before this hit the news, I had never heard of Alaska pox. It's a thing, Alaska pox. Apparently it's found shockingly in Alaska. Most of the cases first time it was ever identified was nine years ago in, in 2015. Um, and, and in this, and in, in this recently in 2024, there was an elderly man, who caught these the pox and um and he he was an immunocompromised person um on chemotherapy on cancer drugs um and um but interestingly they think that it was from the stray cat that was living with this man um who had scratched him multiple times okay um and he actually died from it so this was actually the first case of someone dying from Alaska pox that we are aware of so another cat born this was our fatal feline um to human type of exposure that unfortunately had this person pass away okay now the virus itself is was called an orthopox virus okay that's the same category of a virus that is smallpox cowpox mpox which was monkeypox they dropped the unky uh, to make an mpox um but interestingly it's not related at all to chickenpox these are rna viruses that's dna virus very different now, typically there will be one or more bumps or these pustules, like so they're not clear fluid like, like a lot of times with um like you would see with um chickenpox, but it's more of like a pustule. It's filled with pus and it's on the skin. There can be joint and muscle pain and again swollen lymph nodes. So again, you're seeing a common theme here from these types of infections of swollen lymph nodes. So in terms of my take on it overall, should we be worried about the plague? Should we be worried about Alaska pox? No. Please do not live your um life in fear of these diseases. I'm thinking there may be a good chance you'll never even hear about them, at least in the next five years or so. Um, I guess if cats start passing them along the other place we mill or some other other animal passing along. But no, it's not really something that we want to be too concerned about. But you do want to seek or for your child um, to seek medical care if there is a puncture or a scratch from a cat, especially if it's starting to look infected or any of those other types of symptoms. But it needs to be evaluated. It needs to be evaluated sooner as opposed to later. But if you especially see the painful swollen lymph nodes, around that, then that should really be your clue that there's something going on. Obviously, we can have that happen from strep throat, but if you know, you know, but if there's a lymph node that pops up out of nowhere and it's painful and swollen, you, you should be checked out. I mean, usually it's from an infection or God forbid a cancer, which is less likely, but if any kind of there's a, a lymph node that comes up, especially if it's bigger than the size of a pea, um, getting bigger, if it's warm, if it's red, it's tender, check those things out. Do not let those go. Okay. Um, and um, 
of course, many types of infections, they'll start off with the flu. So one of the things that, of course, let's now come back to our immune support protocol, um, our starting of the two days of the high-dose vitamin A along with the high-dose vitamin C, the zinc, the echinacea or arabinogalactan larix, larch from the western, uh, the bark of the western larch tree. Um, we've talked about that many times before. Our patients certainly can access that to the patient um, through the patient portal. We've made it available on our Patreon page for anybody who wants to access those or any of our other holistic primary care protocols. So now you learned something new and uh, probably you'll never have to know about it again. But I thought it was interesting. Figured maybe you would too. Have a good day. 